folks, I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and you're listening to the podcast Small Package. Give me a hold, buddy. Oh! It's too hot to turn the air conditioner off for this. Hey, everybody! Yeah, 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 we all know that Battleground was atrocious. Oh, God. And it featured two of the worst stipulation matches of all time. Or did it? Today on Small Package, we go over the best worst stipulations of all time and discuss your and our favorite worst stipulations. And Bob and I have come up with our own overworked, absolutely monstrous, but possibly entertaining trash stipulations. All that and more today on Small Package. Hit him with it, Bob. It's small. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Small package. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 54 of Small Package. Dude, that's the amount of cards in the deck plus two jokers. Whoa, callbacks. Whoa. <laughs> I'm glad that I put the, the botched introductions at the end of episode 52. If you haven't heard, don't go back and listen because they're not that funny. But if you're going to go back and listen to the episode anyway, then I guess stick around to the end. That was great balls of fire predictions. And then we didn't do it. We were off the next week, so we didn't actually have the results from great balls of fire uh-huh. until the battleground predictions last week. And... Now we're back on a regular schedule for Battlegrounds results and uh, also all of our stip talks. Just as a heads up, everybody, just as a heads up. So next week we'll be on a regular schedule for Small Package. So we'll be back up uh, sometime around Friday or Saturday. It's usually when the podcast goes up. Uh, The following week is the week of the 7th through the 11th. Bob... Tentatively, we might be on schedule or actually ahead of schedule for that week's. And then the following week after that, uh, we're going to have an interview that Bob did with some of the actresses from Glow because I will be on vacation. So we've got that coming up, and that's pretty that's pretty interesting to look forward to. Uh, did uh, And uh, you were in uh, Oakland, right, for that interview? No, that was just a in Skype call. Manhattan. Oh, that was in Manhattan. I couldn't remember because that week was crazy because you were in Manhattan and then you were in Oakland and then you were in D.C. and then you were back in Queens. Yeah, Oakland was for an esports thing. Yeah, although I wish you would have gotten a chance to go to that hardcore adults-only wrestling promotion. Yeah, I would have literally, literally down the street from my hotel. Um, Do you remember the name of it? Hood Slam. I mean, it looked intense as fuck. Hood Slam. I've seen. I've seen them around before. This is not like a, a, a. When as soon as I found out about it, I was like, "Oh my god, Hood Slam is right down there." That's pretty dope. Oh, so great, dude. If we ever get a chance to go out to California for any reason, like pleasure or business, we definitely need to try to get tickets to Hood Slam. And also, I know it's further down. Uh, I think I think PWG's in LA, mm-hmm. so that's now thanks to you, I have a greater you understanding understand that that's not close. Yeah, um, but anyway, welcome back to Small Package, everybody. Uh, so it's no secret that Battleground was not a good pay per view. Snoozer. Even people I know that review 
uh, wrestling pay-per-views and generally give more favorable grades. The highest that I saw it rated was a B- minus by uh, the uh, Brian Zane from Wrestling With Regret. And I was watching his review being like, how could you give this show a B-? minus?" I gave it somewhere between a C- minus and a D+. Plus, and that is... The C- minus was purely because of the tag match that opened the card. Uh, the the proper yeah, card. that was Meltzer's highest rated match of the card as well. It, it was a really good... Going all the way down to a .75 for gender versus Orton. It was a bad pay-per-view, and the Usos versus the New Day, I'm not going to spend too much time recapping wrestling that has happened. We have a lot more fun stuff to talk about. But I will say this. It is worth watching the Usos versus the New Day match from the card um, because there was just some some really great spots. That super kick that he hit on Xavier's flying elbow drop was perfectly timed. Oh, my timed. God, yeah. Perfectly timed. It was beautiful. The match was great. A lot of energy. Opened the card up with, uh, you know, a face team winning the belts. And then it just sort of all unraveled. It was very messy. A lot of sloppy finishes. You know, KO winning with that awkward ref bump. With, by the way, worst ref sell I've ever seen. I don't believe I've ever seen a worse ref sell in my life than the guy sitting up blinking a lot. Um... And then the two worst stipulations. Well, so oh, sorry. There's uh, Meltzer is reporting, saying that that match changed. The results changed mid match. That's weird. And so that's if why true, that's it weird. it ended up so messy and sloppy was because they like had to figure out the new ending. Sure. And I think if this is all true, if true, uh, then the ref bump probably took so long and looked so weird because that's when they decided to start feeding him like what to do. Sure. And he had to be like, the fuck? which also didn't they say that uh, AJ was like visibly upset at the end of the match? I mean, or backstage. I don't know. I didn't hear that, but. Um, I didn't hear the Meltzer thing. I just heard that AJ was apparently visibly upset after the match, whether it was out in the ring area or backstage. Regardless, it is what it is. A shitty pay-per-view, but two terrible stipulations on the card. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest offender is actually the flag plant match. Um, the Punjabi prison is a dumb stip, but it is not so much the stipulation itself is inherently awful as it is, it's just not... You can't implement it properly because no one can fucking see what's happening. The yeah. stipulation itself has a cool premise. A cage within a cage, you know, is a cool idea. It just doesn't work because you can't see inside very easily. Also, when they sell it so stupid as steel-reinforced bamboo... By the way, that is not the worst way that they've sold it, because if you go back to the last one, I believe it was early JBL commentary. Uh-huh. Um, and he was actually, it's worth going back and watching early JBL commentary, because he was very good uh-huh. when he started. But he kept, for some reason, saying it reminded him of Jurassic Park. And it's like, but there was no bamboo in Jurassic Park. Like, what fucking bamboo? They were all in steel electric cages. Not bamboo, and he kept being. It's like a, it's like a damn Steven Spielberg, like a Jurassic Park. 
And he says it multiple times. <laughs> and no one corrects him. But that's not the biggest offender in my mind. That match was a stinker, except for Samir Singh taking that huge oh ass God. bomb. He was at the top of the outer layer of the cage, bamboo, whatever, way up there and took that gnarly t- announce table spot. That was crazy. The Singh brothers are the real MVPs of the Orton gender feud because they have taken some insane bumps. Insane bumps. Uh, Holy shit. They have been, they have been ragdolled around when Orton almost killed one of them. Right. Um, and that, but the dumbest stipulation was this flag planting match. Um, you know, it, 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 it just, the, the idea of having a flag on a pole match, anything on a pole match is terrible. Well, it's not on a pole match. It was not on a pole match. I know. But what I'm saying is, is a, a traditional flag match is whoever gets their country's flag down first wins. Sure. This one was not like that. It was apparently not explained properly to the live crowd because when Cena got his flag down, people started cheering like he won, only to be reminded that he has to plant it on a podium at the top of the entrance ramp. Um, and it was just stupid and overworked. And that got Bob and I thinking that that's why today's episode, we're going to talk about your and our favorite worst stipulations of all time. Um, and, uh, and do you want to do any recap on Raw and SmackDown at all? Is there anything worth talking about other than the fact that AJ, spoilers if you haven't seen it, Rewon his title after Jericho came back on SmackDown. Is there really anything? Uh, uh, that's what I'm saying. If you can think of a single storyline, I for the record, Emma Emma made a tweet being like, "How come all of these women get opportunities and I don't?" Sure, and then she like was approached. For it? Well, she approached Kurt and was like. Can I get an opportunity? And he was like, yeah, sure. You can wrestle Nia Jax. And then she got fucking flattened. And then it was like, okay, bye, Emma. I was like, man, way to just like bury your talent. She has to beg for a shot only to get squashed. Squashed. Um, well, anything else from Raw or SmackDown worth bringing up? Because here's the deal. I haven't watched either. So you are the only person who has a hope of of mentioning anything from it. And if you don't, that's okay, too, because we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. But there was more like Jason Angle storyline. Um, there's a bit of more advancement of the Dean Seth thing, which is actually starting to heat up and get pretty interesting because they got thrown into a tag match where they had to work together in a two versus three tag against the Miz Taraj. Okay. So we're sticking with the Miz story. Um, well, yeah, they're sticking with the Miz story, but the real highlight is how Dean and Seth, like, Seth is like, yeah, come on, Dean, let's go. Let's let's be partners like the good old days, right, buddy? Ha 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 ha. And Dean keeps doing this whole like 
I don't trust you. Uh, fuck off. I remember. And I then, remember. And then, uh, like, even, of course, because it's wrestling, the faces win in a two-on-three match. Um, and so Seth, at the end, goes to his, like, fists in, right, buddy? And Dean just walks off. So, uh... So yeah, there's there's uh, some good stuff on Raw. Honestly, like Raw wasn't bad. Raw was pretty enjoyable. Do you punish Raw and for overall the sins of the SmackDown? Overall, Raw is been the better show since Mania. I don't know. I I don't know if I want to if I if I agree that it's been the overall better show consistently since Mania. I will say that about two weeks before Great Balls of Fire, they started to really pull the shit together. And Great Balls of Fire was of solid pay-per-view. It was very fun. And they've been good since then. They've been good for a couple of months now. SmackDown has been pretty consistently good on the TV shows, with the exception of the handling of the women's division. Um, and some goofy stuff in the SmackDown and the SmackDown tag titles division thing. But uh, overall, it's been, it's been pretty consistent on TV. And the pay-per-views have been lacking. Because wasn't Backlash also one that we were like, uh? Yeah, nothing really then the, special happened there. So it's it's weird. I would say that, that Raw's been consistently good TV and pay-per-view for a couple of months. SmackDown had been consistently good on TV since Mania up until a, like a month ago, maybe a little further. And their last couple, you know, SmackDown exclusive pay-per-views have been kind of stinkers. It is what it is. Um do you want to get into any wrestling news before we devote the rest of the show to these crazy stipulations? Uh, sure. I got a couple things written down. Some things that you might be excited for. Some things you're going to be upset by. That's Maybe some things you're going to be shocked by and surprised and scared. Oh, we'll see. Oh. So what we got here, Babo? First things first, according to WWE.com. Mm-hmm. Elias Sampson is now just Elias. Wait, so he was the Drifter, which is arguably a, ma- a way cooler name. Absolutely. And then they decided to go uh, the Drifter Elias Sampson uh-huh. pre-leaving NXT. Sure. And you're like, okay, so he's the Drifter Elias Sampson to just Elias Sampson, which uh-huh. is not terrible, but not as cool as the Drifter, which is already not the coolest, but sure, to just Elias why do they keep insisting on, like, they took Big E Langston and then made it Big E, and it's just like, I guess, sure. And they do this with a lot of people, I feel like. They just, like... Yeah, with Neville, with Cesaro, with Rusev. Yeah. I'm sure there's others that I just can't even think of off the top of my head. But they just they just love cutting names off, making it as short as possible. Allegedly, that's why TJ Perkins just became TJP. I thought that was, like, a, his heel name. I don't know. And yet somehow Brian Kendrick gets a lot, gets a word. Gets a word. How does he do that? Uh, I, I I don't know. I heard uh, I heard a backstage rumor that uh, and spoilers for anyone who doesn't want to know about potential accurate storyline predictions. Uh, go ahead and skip like two minutes ahead in the podcast, uh, or just you know stop listening for the next ninety seconds or so. Uh, the I heard on Wrestle Talk TV that the uh, the the I don't know if it's a dirt sheet or a Reddit user. The 
the first person who, who predicted, who correctly predicted that Jinder was coming back and winning the title, uh, has also said that the current plans for Dean and Seth are to formally reunite and win the tag titles from uh, Shizaro, uh at SummerSlam. And that the Miz is going to lose the Intercontinental Championship to Jason Jordan at SummerSlam. All right. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm curious as to what that leaves Matt and Jeff Hardy to do because it just came out that Ed Nordstrup, I think I'm, I might be butchering, butchering his last name, the guy who owns uh, or the CEO of Impact Global Force Wrestling, um, he had sa- had just recently said that he that contract negotiations over the rights to the broken gimmick have formally broken down, and he's saying. You know, I came to the table in good faith. I tried to do something that would help Matt and Jeff by giving them this gimmick back in, you know, a business transaction. They're being unreasonable. So the matter I heard he wanted 50%. I don't know what the deal was. I just heard that he, which I mean, is a lot. But he said, I came to the table to try to sell the deal to them. And they were unreasonable, so I'm. We're like global forces walking away, and we're not readdressing it because you have to also look at it from the Hardy's point of view. Where once they get it, they're going to have to give WWE a cut. Yeah. So even if it's just licensing it to the WWE, which is possible that they own it but license it to the WWE, they have to give a percentage to them, and you know. They'll make a lot off the merch, but so will WWE. Yeah. It's just so I mean taking like five to ten percent. People are like I I read online, people are like, they should need to take like five to ten percent and like a big lump sum right off the bat. And then that would be a more fair deal. But asking for fifty fucking percent is yeah outlander i mean i feel like the top end of the of the i would say it was a, a good deal for the hardies top end would be 20 which is still a lot but at least at that point you have your gimmick back and if you do it for a year or two and it goes over and you make a ton of money off of it you can go back to being the hardy boys at some point and not have to give them anything for that yeah you know, you, they, you only need that deal to be in place for as long as you use that gimmick. And if you change that gimmick, then you can just be like, well, it's a new gimmick now. Big middle finger. But I don't know what the legal repercussions are for this uh, to them using the gimmick. I'm not a, uh, what do you call it? Legalologist. No, no selling that. That was a turd joke, I guess. All right. What else you got in wrestling news, buddy? Wrestling news. Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Uh, yeah, I already said about the Styles Owens finish at Battleground. Do you have anything about uh, Dijak? Uh, no. Donovan Dijak is uh, expected to sign with WWE. Well, I mean, I think we talked about that last week. Um, And uh, no, no official statements have come out. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly as well. And Adam Cole is signed and is taping. So that'll be cool. You ready to get mad? No. Yes, do it. Uh, From Wrestling Inc., Mm -hmm. Wrestling Observer News. Mm -hmm. 
There has been talk of doing another superstar shakeup after next month's WWE SummerSlam pay-per-view. Why? According to new reports by PW Insider and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. No. P- WWE previously held a roster shakeup in April after WrestleMania 33. Well, it may might seem early for another shakeup. The Observer knows that there's definitely talk of making a few roster moves in the fall. There has also been talk of sending one or more superstars from the main roster to WWE NXT. Wait, wait, wait. So so people will be drafted down to NXT? The moves for the main roster to NXT would be for talents that were major stars in NXT that Vince McMahon simply is not going to push on Raw or SmackDown, even if they are over, or talents who are doing nothing on the main roster with the feeling that they could be more useful as top stars in NXT. Okay. That's just it just seems like a weird position because if they have to draft out of the entire pool, you can't it's hard to justify NXT drafting people in kayfabe when the real reason is that they're still there for developmental. You know what I mean? And also if NXT so NXT is going to be drafting as well? I it just possibly. Oh. Cuz here's the thing, if you had like William Regal or whoever, you know, representing NXT, uh there to dra- to be a part of the draft like could you imagine having to have a kayfabe explanation for not drafting roman reigns or big show or Bra- brock lesnar or braun Strowman, and instead drafting you know some person who's in developmental because they need to be there although i mean it would be nice i would think it personally would be refreshing to see people like dolph ziggler go down because there's a chance to sort of refresh the character and have them do new things down there. And then when they come back to the main roster, you're like, oh, it's Ziggler again. And I've always said the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder thing totally works in wrestling. Because if you take someone out for an extended period of time, even if it's just a month or two, but the longer, the better. If you take them out and then reintroduce them, but don't wait like, you know, a year or two, unless it's an injury thing and you can't help it. Don't wait a year or two because you don't want to, let the fans forget that they were there. But, you know, like a, a good like four month off of, of WWE TV and a person comes back, they can come back with a completely revamped gimmick. They can come back face or heel. They can come back and be a legitimate threat because who knows where they've been for those last couple months? Who knows how good they are now? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like they could have had Rusev come back and have been a face and a legitimate championship contender and you would buy it because he hadn't been there for a while. Yeah. So I think it's, it could be a good thing. I think it's a little soon to be redrafting again. I mean, it, it's been about a year since the Superstar Shakeup, right? No, they did it right after Mania. Oh, this Mania. Holy shit. So it's been like five months. Yeah. It'll be like six months in August. Wait, no. Less than it'll that. Be eight, yeah, less than that. Because October would be six months. So, wait. so it'd be four months. Four months. Well, you could already see the signs that I forgot that that was this yeah, year. Yeah, May, June, July, August. Oh my god, dude! So they, I mean, clearly they've already gotten bored with the whole brand split as it is because they just are all willy nilly like moving people around. Cena moved to a free agent; he can go wherever the fuck he wants. Position Undertaker now stopped holding to the rules. I will say this. Wait, when did the shakeup happen? Are you One. sure? Yeah, it happened right after Mania. Because, no, because Taker did the whole thing where he was going back and forth. Remember? Where he showed up on SmackDown? He showed up on SmackDown once. 
Or no, he showed up on Raw. And once. then he showed up on Raw a couple times after that for promoting building up to Mania. Hmm. But he definitely only showed up on SmackDown once. And he was like, I'm back. And then he didn't come back. And everyone joked about it. Oh, my God. That did happen on April 10th. Fuck. April 10th. So May, June, July, August. August will be four months. This is just Yeah, it'll be four and a half months because SummerSlam is towards the end of August. (sighs) This is just absolutely ridiculous. This is just... I really hope they don't do a full-on draft. And in all fairness... Cena's been saying he's a free agent, but he has not been on Raw at all. Sure. So, but it's open. The door is open, as they say. Well, ugh. and then the other news I have is that Renee Young is now going to be doing double duty, serving as a backstage interviewer on both Raw and SmackDown uh, going forward. Sure. Um, she says that she is going to be joining Charlie Caruso, so I don't know what this means for Dasha Fuentes. Sure. Well, who knows? I'm glad to see more Renee, though. Well, of course. Everyone's glad to see more Renee. Uh, GFW canceled an upcoming taping due to unforeseen circumstances and logistical challenges. The August 6th Bridge- Bridgeport, Connecticut taping. Like, what do they do with a uh, one Alberto El Patron? Who knows? Also, speaking of Global Force people, uh, did you hear about Braun Strowman begging Kurt Angle's yeah, ex-wife? I don't know. Not to that story sounds fucking dumb. I mean, I think it's kind of cool that there was a bunch of, like, TNA, ERP, I'm sorry, Impact, ERP, I'm sorry, Global Force Wrestling people hanging out with WWE people at a bar. And just sure. seeing like photos of them all hanging out, uh, but it's also like the story goes allegedly, allegedly, allegedly that Braun Strowman was just having a drink with people and chilling out when some woman that he doesn't know who she is comes up and says, "Oh, I'm such a big fan. Can you sign an autograph for my kid?" And is like, "Lady, please leave me alone." She's like, "Oh, you know, my son's a big fan. I just want to get an autograph for him." And he's like, "Lady, please leave me the fuck alone." And then she's like. Basically cuts a promo on him in the bar saying that she's Kurt's ex-wife and that she'd hate to have to tell Kurt that Braun said no to giving his son an autograph. And so Braun said, okay, like, let's not make this a big thing. I'm sorry. I didn't know who you were. Don't tell your husband that I was a dick. Uh, And then she was like, you know what? No, fuck that. I'm going to tell Kurt Angle you were a big dickhead to me and, and his kid. And so he allegedly got on his knees and like groveled saying, please don't tell Kurt. So, I don't know. I kind of think that it's like, if even if the alleged story is true, it's like, he doesn't know who you are, lady. And, he, you know, if, if a fan comes up to him in a bar when he's trying to just hang out with his friends and you're, like, marking out, asking for an autograph, like, I think he has every right to tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah, and also, Kurt Angle's not his boss. No, but he is a Kurt Angle is a man playing a character. But he is a Hall of Famer and he is you know, he definitely has some pull at WWE. I suppose, but I'm sorry. Like he could I feel like Kurt could go to Vince McMahon and be like, "Hey, 
I don't know, but with Braun Strowman, it's a little different because Braun has reached that level where he's a main eventer. So I don't really know how bad it could have been for him. But maybe maybe Braun was just trying Whatever. to save some face. It's just a Again, silly story. Even if allegedly what happened is true. You know, maybe Braun was just trying to save some face and look good to a person he looks up to who's in the company. You know what I mean? I don't know. Also, somebody somebody reported that there was an arrest warrant out for Paige, and Uh-oh. then and then actual journalists looked into the matter, and Uh-oh. there is no arrest warrant out for Paige. That's good. So, hey man, that's good. if you had heard the original story but not the follow up. There's the follow up. Okay, I mean that's all good news that there's not an arrest warrant out for Paige, although you still worry about her, you know. And the whole what's happening with Alberto Patron, like, is she really being abused? I mean, it's all pretty crazy. Uh, Any other big wrestling news that you want to talk about? I feel like there was something that I am just forgetting, but I got to be honest, man. Battleground bummed me out, and it just sort of made me turn off this week. You know, usually... Uh, try to stay on top of things, try to, you know, have like a bunch of news articles ready for when we start recording today and and, you know, have my full raw and smackdown analysis. And today I'm just like, I don't give a fuck about actual wrestling. I want to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Any other wrestling news about? No. All right. Let's just uh, let's move on then. So I have a list of some of the. The worst wrestling stipulations of all time. Sure. I don't know if you've seen some of these matches, but these are some of the real life. Again, t- circling back on this, you know, the flag planting match, Rusev versus Cena, was not a very well well executed gimmick. It was overworked. Right. Well, also, it's inherently unfair because uh, Rusev is a whole ring's length further away from the ramp. You bring up a good point. You... You bring up a good point. And you brought that up the night of the pay-per-view. And at first, I was like, ah, no. But then, when I thought about it, I was like, you're right. That is unfair. It's just, you're right? In here, like, why couldn't he be in the other corner by the ramp? Then you're, they're both equidistant to the ramp. <laughs> I don't know. It was a little bit. Also, the, apparently, there was a point where Rusev was holding the American flag. I guess I missed this. But everyone would, online was like, why didn't he just throw the flag like into the audience? Yeah. And then or, John Cena would have break. to go, like, go run out into the audience and try to get the flag back. Or break the, break the pole. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that they could stick the broken pole in there and that they'd count it <laughs> as the win. But rip the, pole off the, off, rip the flag off the pole. You could do that. You know what I mean? Burn it. <laughs> Holy shit. Could you imagine the heat of Rusev burned the American flag on a pay-per-view? God, dude. Um, and we also ask you, the small package universe. <laughs> we asked you guys what some of your least favorite stipulations are. And we're going to go through some of them right now. Okay. What do we got? So this was one that I... These are these are the real stipulations that truly existed uh-huh. uh, that were awful. The first one that I pulled up uh myself bob i don't know if you've ever seen this it was on a a, a 1999 episode of raw okay i know that you've been going back no and, i have not seen it i know you've been going back i and have not the pay-per-view i can tell you i have not watched any raw from 99 first off i know you've been going back and watching the old pay-per-views on the network they have a lot of old raws on there you should go back because like 
Some of these Raws were classics, and some of them are absolutely more atrocious than current modern-day Raws. <laughs> it's just a little bit more forgivable when you have like the Rock or Stone Cold come out. Uh-huh. This was... Uh, do you remember Gangrel? Yes. Okay. And do you remember when he was with the original Brood, which was Edge and Christian? Uh-huh. Okay. So at a certain point, Gangrel... And the and the and the brood went to the Ministry of Darkness with with Undertaker, and then he kicked out Edge and Christian and got a at the time unknown Hardy Boys to be the new brood. Okay, this is what eventually led to the Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Bros. Boys, <laughs> Hardy Bros, Hardy Bros, and then eventually the Dudleys. But in a in a feud settling match between Gangrel and Edge on the 1999 episode of Raw, they had the bloodbath match. Which has also been dubbed by some the Buckets of Blood match. Okay. The stipulation of this match is that you could only win by dumping a a five-gallon bucket of what I hope was not human blood. I imagine it was like pig or like some kind of animal's blood. You mean water with red food dye? No, dude. You don't understand Attitude Era 90s. They actually would use like real dog poop for like matches and stuff it was like back then it was wild wild west sure you had to dump a bucket of blood on somebody and it ended and at the time edge and christian weren't talking to each other and it ended when the lights went out and when they came back up christian was outside the ring and had dumped one of the buckets on gangrel giving edge the win so in the end edge didn't even dump the bucket of blood himself and he doused gangrel in what i assume was sheep's blood or something and that was the match. That okay. was the whole. That was the whole stipulation of the match. Uh, another one. This one was also mentioned by uh, shout out to friend of the show, Mike Hall, Michael Hall, friend of the show. Uh, in 1999, halftime heat. Have you heard of this one, Bob? No. Halftime heat was a gimmick with Sunday Night Heat, the now long since deceased WWE show that went, took place, I believe, on MTV. On Sundays. Okay. And this match took place at the halftime of the Super Bowl. It was the only match on this little mini pay-per-view. Okay. Um, and this match was a basically an empty arena stipulation. Oh, it's the empty arena match with The Rock and Mankind. Yes. Okay. It was the halftime heat match, but also known as the empty arena match. And uh, legend, legend status, because it ended... With a forklift spot. And it ended by switching to a, a point of view shot. Oh, yeah. That's Foley, it. Which, I mean. Ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. Uh, another bad stipulation was the Las Vegas Showgirls match. This took place after when they had the, the wheel of matches, match types in Vegas, like a roulette kind of thing. Uh-huh. And it was. It was William Regal versus, I think, Gold Dust in a match where they both had to dress up as Las Vegas schoolgirls and strip the clothes off the other person. Showgirls? What I say? Schoolgirls? Oh, showgirls. Uh, and had to strip the clothes off each other. Uh, another, another fun, real-life, terrible gimmick that got mentioned. Uh, friend of the show, Gabe Ross, said... Anything on a pole match at all. Anything on a pole match. Uh huh. We'll, we'll get more specific. Um, both Mike Hall and Gabe Ross mentioned the Chamber of Horrors match 
Yeah. And I think it's worth noting that WCW, man, you know how like in Star Wars they're like the force is strong with somebody like the bit oh yeah the force is strong with this one man the people in charge of WCW the ability to make stupid stipulation matches was so strong with them and no pay per view exuded this more than Halloween Havoc in 1999 or 1991 uh, they had uh, a Chamber of Horrors match and also a friend of the show KT Khalil Thomas. Uh-huh. Shout out to Khalil. Uh, he also mentioned this match as well as one of his least favorite stipulations of all time, where the goal of the match was you were in a giant, crazy Hell in a Cell-like contraption, was to strap a human being into an electric chair and fry them to death. Cool. You know, because attempted attempted murder is... That's cool, right? Yeah. That's a fun stipulation. Uh in 1992, Halloween Havoc had spin the wheel, make a deal, which Khalil also said was one of his uh-huh. least favorites. That ended with a coal miners glove match. Uh, and then later, what, is there any description of what a coal miners glove match is? I believe that the stipulation was you had to retrieve the coal miners glove and slap the other person in the face with it. <laughs> and that there was something heavy inside of it, like coal. Shh. That sure. would inflict damage on to your opponent. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then in 1995's Halloween Havoc, this was on my list and Gabe's and uh, Michael Hall's, uh, the Monster Truck Sumo match. Have you seen this one, Bob? Mm-mm. So the match is between the Giant, a.k.a. Paul White, a.k.a. Big Show. Okay. It's the Giant versus Hogan. And... It's one of those things that sounds so cool. Wait, is this the one that's on the top of the roof? It's on a rooftop. Okay. And they, it was on um, uh, it was Halloween the Havoc. Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. Yes, it was. And they, threw, and they threw him off the building into the so river. Before they do this, though, they they have each of them have their own branded monster trucks. Like a, like a giant monster truck and a Hogan monster truck. And the match, quote unquote, itself was just the trucks pushing at each other. Like a sumo wrestler. So there's no like, oh, I'm going to try to T-bone him. I'm going to drive around and avoid him. It's literally two trucks just gassing it until he pushes Big Show's truck out of the ring. They're like, yeah, good one. They get out, they fight, and then they're fighting near the edge, and the giant, a.k.a. kayfabe son of Andre the Giant, falls off of the roof. And Hogan, within kayfabe, reaches for him like, no, like I didn't mean to kill you. And then he falls to his death. But that's not the best part, Bob. That's not the end of this story. Because then Hogan returns to the ring inside the arena and cuts a promo about like, well, if the giant had been better and really been the son of under the giant, he wouldn't have fallen to his death. Cue the giant's music. And he comes down to the ring, no selling the fact he fell off a roof allegedly to his death. And then fucking beats Hogan in the ring in the main in the actual main event, which was a regular fucking one on one no step match. What the fuck? K. Exactly, man. Um, <laughs> I'm reading some uh, other ones that people submitted. Uh, Khalil also said Viagra on a pole match. Sure, that was uh, Kidman and Douglas on Nitro after the sex tape uh-huh. angle. Uh, pinata on a pole match. Are you familiar with pinata on a pole? Because it's both terrible and racist. 
always a favorite. Uh, basically, allegedly, uh, somebody, I don't even remember who, who it was, but somebody who was like in charge on Nitro on this episode in 1999 got five of the luchador wrestlers together in a, in a room and was like, hey, we're booking all five of you in a match tonight. And they're like, see, okay. And he's like, and he's like, and you're all going to have sticks. And you can hit each other with the sticks, or you can hit this pinata with the sticks. And they're like, why? And he's like, because there's 10,000 American dollars inside of that pinata. And they all like start going all cutthroat on each other. Like, I'm going to get that money and send it to my family back home. It's fucking atrocious, dude. And then, you know, five respected luchadors beat the shit out of each other with little billy clubs and try to bust open a pinata to get $10,000 cash. Cool. Vince Russo at his finest. Uh, he also, Khalil also mentioned, uh, and so did Mike Hall, the Judy Bagwell on a forklift oh, match from the New Blood Rising 2000 WCW pay-per-view. It was Buff versus Canyon. Who could forget Canyon and Buff Bagwell? Who now works <laughs> as a male escort. I know, dude. I think that that's the best gimmick of all. Um, that's, you know... It, that one doesn't even need to be explained any further. It's just, just bad. Uh, also, some other some other legendary bad pay per view stipulations, um, real ones that were actually performed uh, by wrestlers. It's it's hard to believe. Uh, the this is one that's within your range of. I believe that you experienced this with me. Uh huh. The stairs match. Between Rowan and Big Show at TLC 2014? Nope. This is right before? Yeah. Damn. You missed it. One year they decided to make tables, ladders, and chairs pay-per-view. Instead of calling it TLC, it was tables, ladders, and chairs, and stairs. Two ands in the title. Good. And they had the TLC logo, but then in like a goofy comic font inside of an explosion cutout they had and, and stairs added to the title of the pay-per-view and the match was one of one of the most confusing and dumb things because the the literal stipulation of the match was that the only weapon legal was the stairs the stairs the ring entrance stairs and i know what you're thinking to yourself there's like you know two or three sets of those right uh-huh no because it was tlc they brought out like Dozens of the stairs. So they treated it like the ladders. Yeah, and the and, stairs. And so like Big Show and Rowan were like tossing them at each other. <laughs> <laughs> and doing like spots where they would like both have stairs in their hands and run at each other and like smash them into each other. Also, Michael Cole was trying to sell that these steps weigh like hundreds of pounds. He's like, My God, the power that they have to have to be able to lift these stairs up. These are truly monsters, you know. How can they lift up these like, you know, he seldom like they're fucking like I want to commend trucks. you for starting in JR and then quickly turning into Michael Cole. I fixed it. I whenever I do commentator voice, I want to do JR, but I had to remember that <laughs> I wasn't being JR. I was I was being Michael Cole. Which you went into <laughs> JR voice to I say. know. It's hard, dude. It's really, it's really hard. Uh, uh, Michael Hall wanted us to give a shout out to the uh, man versus a bear match, which apparently was the destroyer versus Victor the bear at some indie promotion. Sure. Uh, some territorial wrestling. Um, Brandon Mertz and uh, 
and uh, Michael Hall both mentioned uh, the uh, kiss my ass match. Uh huh. Or as Seamus and Dolph Ziggler kiss my arse. Into. And uh, I want to say this: the kiss my foot match between Jerry Lawler and Bret Hart. I get the idea, and I'm like, there's humiliation to it, and there was a good build up between the two of them for that feud for that blow off. Uh, but the whole kiss my ass thing just had kind of has this undercurrent of like teenage gross out, slightly homophobic humor. I'm just like, oh, haha, I'm gonna have to kiss a man's ass. Oh, my lips are gonna have to touch another man's butt. Uh huh. I mean, anything can be done well or poorly. I just feel like those have historically been done poorly. Um, also, I want to say this: Michael Hall mentioned the British Bulldog versus the Rock Bottom in the dog shit match. Uh huh. That. I was. I've watched. I actually found out on an episode of the Wrestling Re- with Regret show on YouTube with uh, Brian Zane. That was not actually the stipulation of the match. It just was sort of a thing that happened. <laughs> Everyone remembers this as being the Rock versus British Bulldog in a dog shit match or a dog poop match. Uh huh. <coughs> where the winner was whoever did their finisher to get the other person into dog poop. Sure. Turns out there was never mentioned that stipulation. It just. The the Rock asked mankind earlier in the in the Raw, "Hey, take these real bulldogs and go collect their poop." And because Mick Foley's insane, he's like, "Yeah, that makes total sense, Rock." So he went out there, and mid match, he runs out with a platter with do- with just dog turds on it, and then slides it into the ring. And then there's a little bit of a tussle back and forth. It's like, "Oh, who's going into the dog shit?" It's like. The Rock's not going into the dog shit. <laughs> like, I don't know if you know The Rock. And so it ends with The Rock rock-bottoming the British Bulldog into the platter of dog shit and then refusing to pin him because he smelled like dog shit. He told the referee, ring the damn bell, and got out of the ring. And the ref just said, your winner, The Rock. So The Rock won a match without pinfall, without submission, just by rock bottoming someone into a platter of dog shit. I mean, you think that person's gonna try to fight anymore? That match is over. That the match rock had a point. Totally the rock over. had a point. Uh, and it's really gross and it's really disgusting. And because like attitude era, there's like a high, there's a high probability that was real dog shit. There's a there's a decent chance because they've they've done weird shit in the past too. Uh, Michael Hall mentioned this one. Along with uh, somebody else mentioned this one. I think Brandon mentioned this one as well. Um, the Kennel from Hell. Uh, 1999 yes. Unforgiven. With like the cute dogs that kind of fell asleep and napped in the ring instead of were vicious attack dogs. Yeah, so it's Al Snow and Big Boss Man. And again, Kennel from Hell, one of those bad stipulation ideas that sounds badass on paper. Uh huh. But that, so you've got a steel cage inside of a Hell in a Cell. And you have to escape the steel cage where there are alleged vicious Doberman pinchers and German shepherds and Rottweilers around the outside. And then you have to escape the dogs to get to the hell in the cell door to then escape for the win. And the problem was is that the dogs liked humping each other and taking shits on the outside and generally not (coughs) being vicious. So when Al Snow got outside of the of the steel cage 
uh, the, the the dogs just sort of looked at him like, oh, cool. You made it. Welcome to the party. Uh, King of the Road match. I think, again, Bob, this is before your time. 1995 WCW. I think it was just called Uncensored. It was an early pay-per-view. Um, and they had... It was funny because the match is fought on the back of a of a of a flatbed truck that has hay barrels and all sorts of stuff, and they're fenced in. Um, and the match itself, again, you're being you know you're filming it with helicopters and like cars driving by the side. You can't really see very well what's going on. Fun fact: the participants of this match uh, were Dustin Rhodes and Blacktop Bully, who would go on to be Smash in Demolition. And both of them were fired after this match went to air because they bladed. Um, which, you know, uh, it was against policy at the time. Another legendary bad status, the crybaby match. Uh, this was the one, two, three kid versus Razor Ramon at In Your House 6, 96. And the stipulation of the crybaby match was putting your opponent into a diaper. And at the end of the match, Razor Ramon put the one, two, three kid into into a diaper and then dusted him with talcum powder. And uh, it was announced the winner of the crybaby match. Good job. Good fucking job. Uh, I think I read all of Khalil's ones. Uh, and then anything on a pole matches. A lot of that. That was what a lot of people had said. Uh and then Gabe, I don't know if he texted me back. Yeah, he he just said uh, that Chamber of Horrors match and uh, anything on a pole as well. Also, he mentioned uh, gimmicks where they had RoboCop involved in matches. Huh. And also just all the celebrity stuff that they did in the 90s WCW, which it's hard to say if those are if those are just gimmicks in the ring or if they're stipulation matches. But uh I agree there's been some real absolute weirdo ones. Sure. Um, I also want to throw out my, one of my least favorite stipulations is the four corners strap matches or Russian yeah. chain. Whatever. I was going to say I was actually going to mention strap matches. Just like anything where you're like have to be forced together with an opponent. And like, not just it, that. It's, it's not going to end well. It's not just the forced together, like strap together thing. It's the whole, I have to touch four corners of the ring. And it's like, and a lot of the times in recent history, it's been, you have to touch all four consecutively without the opponent breaking it up. Oh, okay. Like the last one was the Russian chain match between Rusev and Cena. And, uh, <laughs> it was like Cena would touch one and then another, and then Rusev would touch one and it would reset. Mm-hmm. And so now the light was like orange for Rusev, and then he touched two. Oh my God, Rusev to the third one, and then Cena touched one. Uh-huh. So it was like you have to touch all four corners without letting your opponent touch all four corners. It's just when you get to that point where it's so confusing, you know, those are always, I feel like a lot of these stipulations that we've mentioned have been just goofy and, and awful, but it's also bad stipulations are ones that are confusing. I think that's what hurt the Punjabi prison because having the four doors that each one opens for 60 seconds and it's locked forever and it's like well you could easily just climb out of the fucking bamboo cage that's what always happens it's yeah, but like a door is easier i mean yeah but every every single one of the punjabi prison matches all three of them have featured 
one person gets out through the last door, then the other person is locked in forever, climbs up, and then jumps from the inner to outer. Yeah. All three of them. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, why do we have to make this so complicated? Um, I will also say this. I want to talk to you about another thing with bad steps. Um, there's a few stipulations that were on a lot of like worst stipulations of all time that I think actually could be pretty cool if you brought them back. Sure. What uh, you you got? You got some interesting ones. <laughs> um, some that don't deserve the hate. The championship scramble. It got a lot of hate because it got overused. Um. I wish they would bring it back. I don't know if you've ever actually gotten a chance to watch any of these. No. So when a championship scramble match, it's not the beat the clock challenge. It's so what it is, is that you have five or six people in the ring, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the sake of simplicity, let's just say that it's, you know, the, the same as the fatal four way for SummerSlam, Roman Lesnar, uh, Seth and Braun, right? No, that's not right. Roman Braun, Joe, and yeah, and and Lesnar, yeah, right. <clears throat> so how a championship scramble would work is that Lesnar's the champ coming in. When he gets in, they set like a ten minute time limit to become the new champion. You have to pin Lesnar or tap Lesnar out. You can't just tap or pin out anyone. And every and and the title can change hands multiple times within that match whoever is the champion when the clock runs out oh, is, is the, champion. the champion interest okay it was a really fun concept sure they used it a lot for the ECW championship around the time that they brought ECW back mhm um and i just think that it was a, it was a cool it was a cool stipulation match that kind of got a bad rap for being overused with people who were like weird to be in the match mhm also inferno matches the the cane stipulation where the ring ropes are on fire is visually very cool, mm -hmm. but they just have to be done right. Um, <coughs> the uh, buried alive match, I missed those. People started to shit on him because they said they, they got hokey. Uh huh. But I think that with the right storyline, that can be very cool. Or just you know casket matches, coffin matches. Sure. Um, the Gulf of Mexico match. This was No Way Out 2008, CM Punk and Chavo Guerrero. I thought was a kind of interesting concept. It just, something wasn't quite all there on it. And the only way to win this match, they were in like, some, like Houston or some Gulf City. And the only way to win was to have your fight, leave the ring, go out into the streets of the city, and you had to throw your opponent into the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. So it ended with CM Punk I think go to sleeping Chavo off of this bridge into the Gulf of Mexico. All right, then. And it was a interesting. It was interesting. I think it could be saved if they did the right thing with it. Uh, they had the province of Quebec match this is on a 1993 episode of Superstars between the Quebecers and the Steiner brothers who were faces, by the way. Uh, and the and the rules were no top rope moves. No throwing your opponent over the top rope, no pile drivers, and the titles could change hand on a DQ or countout. And uh, Brandon Merritt uh, reminded me of there was another one in uh, Ring of Honor that was like that, uh, like the Wrestling X Championship or the pro or the. I'm, I'm blanking on it right now, but it was similar where it was like uh, he's going to be pissed because he told me about this last night and I 
meant to write it down. Um, but the rules on this one were you had three rope breaks for mm-hmm. the entire match. Mm-hmm. So a rope break could break up a pin or a submission. You have three of them. Uh, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't hit anyone in the face with a closed hand. You couldn't do over the top rope stuff and you couldn't do, uh, there was like a list of things that you couldn't do. And if you did any of them, the first time it would be a warning. The second time you would lose one of your rope breaks. Mm -hmm. And if you had no rope breaks left and you did something that broke the rules, they would, that you would be disqualified and the championship could change hands on a DQ. Interesting. And they had this belt for about two years and Nigel McGuinness held it for like a year of that. And it was defended like a total of 17 times or something. Um, and then the, the last one that I'll mention is uh, the Hardcore Championships 24-7 rule. I miss that. I wish that they would bring that back. I don't, sure. I don't know how you ever felt about the 20... I mean, you didn't really live through the 24-7 rule, though. No, but I think in today's era of uh, social media, it would be amazing. Right. It would. I feel like it would go over really well. There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with it, especially the idea of somebody being on social media or being on like a TV show and losing the title. Like imagine someone doing one of those like over the top rope segments on ESPN, like on sports center. And then out of nowhere, they just get hit with a fucking trash can and then pin the person. And it's just like, Hey, live on sports center, professional wrestler loses title. Like it writes itself people. Or like, Somebody takes over the WWE Twitter account for the day and they're like posting videos of them being like, ah, oh, here we are in the warehouse. Here we are. Yeah. In the, and then all of a sudden, you're like, here we are in the boom. One, <laughs> two, three. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the chaos if a, if a wrestler went on the Today Show and like as a joke, like I know this sounds, it sounds atrocious because it is atrocious, but it's the kind of entertaining thing WWE might do. Imagine if like, uh, I don't know. Let's just say someone like like John Cena or somebody has a tight like a title that is twenty four seven defended, and they end up on the Today Show. And as a joke, Al Roker's just like, "Hey, this belt's defended twenty four seven, right?" And then he's like, "Yeah," and he goes, "I uh, you know guess nudge nudge better watch out," and then hits him with a chair, and a ref comes out, and a celebrity wins the title and just runs away, gets in a cab. Imagine the press we could do. Would you or would you not have a fun time with that if that happened at a pay-per-view? Oh, it'd be fun. There there are a lot of things that, that would be fun that they could do with the 24-7 belt. Bring it back. 24-7 belt steps. All right. It's about that time. We it's it, This is what we've all been waiting for. Bob, your patience is about to be rewarded. Uh-huh. Bob and I have come up with some of our own worst stipulations of all time. And these are dumb f- ideas, fantasy books that that could also maybe be fun, but are also pretty stupid. They could be. And also real quick shout out for other people's bad ideas getting into this. Your girlfriend, Lauren, had mentioned an underwater fight. We asked her on the stoop or I was with Kayla. She was like on her way home. I asked I asked Lauren. I was like, what does that mean? And she said, I don't know. They would just like fight underwater and stuff. And I was like, all right, there that's a that is a certainly a stipulation match. That sounds terrible. I don't uh-huh. know if they would have scuba tanks or hold their hold their breath. <laughs> but I just have Lauren said underwater match okay. in my notes. 
Kayla had mentioned a big cast versus all the women match in a nip slip loses fight. Sure. Uh, and I was like, cute. She also mentioned a Flores Lava match. She said it would be better with people like Ray and Kofi, but every so often they would say the floor is lava, and if you're touching the ring at that time, you lose. Not bad. Not a bad one. And then also, you have to like jump up to the ring posts or onto the ropes, uh, or I guess out of the ring. Yeah, that's true. I was like, I was like, imagine how cool that would be though if you had two wrestlers who could like run the ropes and like re- like not run the ropes, like run the ropes, but like run on top of yeah. the top rope and fight like that. I was like, it's like all of the bad things with in a scaffold match like fucking just concentrated just like boil out all the water and make a scaffold match even harder and weirder um will mcgirl said uh a game show match where the first person to complete legends of the hidden temple wins uh-huh john cena has an aa but does he have enough in him to complete the shrine of the silver monkey that's that's what he said. Okay. Uh, I think I see where Will's going with this. Uh, I think I see. I, I This is a text message. That's all that it says is Legends of the Hidden Temple, but wrestling. And I'm like, I can't say that I'm mad at the idea. Honestly, can't <laughs> say that I'm mad at it. It sounds fun. It sounds like a very complicated stipulation. I don't know if he's talking about doing the full steps of knowledge. That would be weird. If we yeah. did an entire episode of Legends, but with wrestlers... And then they it's also... just Legends of the Hidden Temple, but with wrestlers. But if they're doing moves and actually fighting each other... Like, imagine if it was, like, tournament style. Think, like, uh, New Japan's G1 or whatever. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, or whatever they, they're calling it. The Grand it's Prix. G1. Just, it G1? Go, just finish your story. Anyway. And imagine that you have, like, a round-robin tournament, but you're winning pendants. Right? of life to get through this temple but then like the temple guards aren't just like pussies they're like like brock lesnar's a temple guard (laughs) like the bigger guys on the roster are the temple guards and that all the people competing in it are like Sami Zayn size sure that could be weird Weird. stupid yeah i mean but isn't that kind of the point it is the point uh and then also brandon merritt said another one that i wanted to mention real quick the the he had literal ball and chain match where your tag team partner is shackled to your leg as a weight, which we just went into how much we despise wrestlers having to be chained together for matches. True. But it would be goofy. And honestly, of all the ideas so far, and I don't know for the record, I don't know what Bob's five are. I don't. And he doesn't know what mine are for the most part. Uh, I think that that's one that I could actually see WWE doing. Oh, yeah. Especially like if it was AA versus Usos. Yeah. And those guys who operate in stereo. Oh, no. Like, actually, it's funny. I'll give him props because Brandon came up with the the only one so far that seems like it could be a real thing in WWE. Honestly, all of mine are pretty realistic. Oh. I tried to keep it. Keep mine are real. None of mine are just like this mine are all completely feasible. Mine are like not that they're out of the realm of possibility of doing, just that they would they wouldn't do any of mine. And then also Brandon's better one is the Magnet Madness. Uh, both wrestlers are filled with fitted with magnetic bracelets, and if you get your opponent towards a turnbuckle, their wrist uh, get their wrist to the magnet, hit a button. They're electric, electromagnetically stuck to that for 30 seconds so you can beat them down. Okay. So, like, 
your own hands would go towards your opponent's hands as well. But if you get them near the corner, the corners can be activated. So you can essentially lock up your opponent to just free beat them for a couple of seconds. But his best one was this Dragon Ball Z weighted shoe match. And uh, the idea being that there are like 45 in kayfabe, like 45 pound boots. Uh, but, you know, real life probably just put five or 10 pounds into the boots. And the idea being that uh, that's it's not necessarily that it's a stipulation for a victory, but that they have to fight wearing these boots. And he has some cool spot ideas where, you know, every missile dropkick, every big boot would hit like a shotgun blast. And, you know, having someone big like Braun versus someone smaller, like maybe like a Sammy and clotheslining him and his feet stick to the ground, but his body takes the bump. And that, you know, in the end, you have the David beat the Goliath with either like a coup de gras or a missile dropkick off the top. I thought that that was a really cool idea. The, you know, heavy weighted boots match. I don't know what they would call it because he his idea was something like calling it like the Dragon Ball Z training boots, Goku boots match. That title wouldn't work. But work on the title, son. Come back to me. We'll talk. All right, Bob. I can see that you are you are you are very ready. Let's hear. Let's hear your first. First idea is the one that you know already. Okay. This is the limited disqualifications match. Limited disqualifications match. Each wrestler would get three disqualifications. Wait, you should read it like fucking Shivani or somebody like reading like each wrestler gets three qualifications. <laughs> disqualifications. After that, if they do something that would normally disqualify them, they are permanently disqualified. Does the title change hands on disqualifications? On like unallowed disqualifications? Oh yeah. So so basically, wrestler would have three chair shot opportunities legal, or you know, a a dick kick that they could get in legally. Kick Kick them in the dick. But then you'd have to you'd have to measure out when you use your disqualification. Oh yeah, you got to be strategic with it. Although that's also one of my favorite things for Iron Man matches uh, is the idea of taking a disqualification early to get your opponent just completely and utterly fucking uh-huh, wrecked. Uh-huh. Anything else about that particular match you want to expand upon? No, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I'll uh, I'll I'll tell you the one that you also know next Mm. which was my idea is a red light green light match uh (laughs) do you want me to read it in the announcer's voice or just fucking tell you just say it so the idea being that there's either on the corner post so that they can see it or on the tron something a giant red light green light just like the kids game and it will randomly switch from red light to green light and if it is a red light and you move after the red light is on you lose the match and titles will change hands on a, on a red light violation. And so I had in my head and I explained this to you, Bob, but for the people at home, the idea of having someone like a Ryback or a Goldberg, you know, bigger, heavier guy who does that kind of jackhammer move to have a guy up over his shoulders, over his head in the, in the jackhammer position. And then the light go red and the referee is he's looking at both of them. Cause the guy up top can't move either. He can't just knee his way out of it now. You know, looking at both of them like, oh, is he moving? His arms are shaking. Can he hold him up? 
till the green light, green light power slam. And I thought of this after the fact. I think you'll love this. I've not told this to you yet, Bob. The idea of the match ending when somebody goes for a top rope move and they jump off the top rope and the light goes red. Huh. And they moved. I think that's the perfect ending to a red light, green light match. Sure. I think that that could be a really fun, a fun stipulation with, uh, you know, a, it definitely requires like a bigger guy to do some of the like, holding them up spots and then a smaller guy to do some of the top rope shit. But anyway, on to your next monstrosity, awful gimmick match. Okay. Let's hear it. So this is a tag team match of tag teams. So <laughs> it's eight people total, and there are four people in the ring at a time. And the only way you can get one tag team out is if they both tag the other tag team to make the switch. Wait, hold on. So it's a four on four tag match or it's or it's four tag teams all competing at the same time. It'd be two tag teams on each side in a match. Okay. Okay. Let's let's break this down real quick. Okay. Okay. Example. It would be. They don't even have to be current tag teams. Okay. Well, it'd be heel team one and heel team two. Versus face team one and face team two. Copy. Okay, I gotcha. Except the only way that face team one, who starts in the ring, can get out of the ring is if both of them tag face team two in. Oh, so it's like it's like two two and two in at a time. But then, like if like Heath and if Heath and Rhino were with American Alpha, uh-huh. right? Heath tags Jason Jordan. But Jason Jordan can't come in until Rhino also successfully tagged Gable. Yes. And then at that point, both people can now swap. This is weird. (laughs) I kind of like it. (laughs) It's kind of like it's it's also I love how it's very much like a thing that you could see WWE going. This isn't overworked. Right. Fans will get this. Right. Yeah. No, I kept all of mine within a certain believability. There's like a threshold quotient of believability. Uh Uh-huh. Wow, that's wow. <laughs> um, All right, what's your number two? My next one. Uh, <laughs> my next one is a <laughs> uh, <laughs> is a gimmick match. It's a stipulation, but I know that you hate this one. It's the only one on the list that specifically. It would require two wrestlers to be yeah. in it. So in, in my mind, in my mind, a stipulation is something that you add to a match to make it different. It's not a match specifically catered for somebody. Sure. Uh, this one was a is a Orton versus J- a returning Jake the Snake Roberts, because I'm keeping it believable. Uh-huh. In what is kind of like a reverse mask versus mask match. It's uh it's the snake gimmick versus snake gimmick match. Uh here's the idea. Both men have to have to put their opponent into it's kind of like a coffin match, but you have to put them into a, a container full of snakes and then lock them into a container just full of snakes. And for kayfabe's sake, we'll say that they're all venomous. Sure. Uh you then lock your opponent screaming and kicking into the snake cage, and that person if they survive, can never use a snake gimmick ever again. So Randy, if he lost, would have to just be Randy Orton, not the Viper. Uh-huh. And then if Jake the Snake lost, 
I think he would just be Jake. He would just fade away. <laughs> I think that like that's all he is at this point is Jake the Snake and remnants of drugs. Uh huh. Um, that was my my match. That was specifically a one a one person. Uh, what's your next one, Bob? All right, this is your third one? Yeah. Uh, so this uh, this is what I call the speed tag match. Speed tag. You got a lot of tag action there, there, going on. There was only two tag matches. I was gonna get them out in a row. Sure, sure. Um, a speed tag match. Uh, inspiration comes from speed chess. <laughs> 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 and you can you can only be in the ring for a certain amount of time before you have to tag out to your partner. Okay. So like you can you can you know get tagged in and then you can only be in the ring for like maximum of let's say 2 minutes before you have to get over to your corner and tag your Or you lose? Your partner. Yes. Oh Jesus. So like well yeah it it your one opponent can be beating you down for a minute and 58 seconds, but your opponent has to get over and tag in his partner. Oh God. So, so oh it God. leaves you open. Jesus Christ. I feel like that would be even better if it was a tag team Ironman match. So that way, like, oh man, he's beating him down. He's forgotten about the clock. He's got to get back. And then it's like, oh, he grabbed his boot. He can't get to his partner. Oh, the winner of the first pinfall by disqualification. It's like, I feel like that'd be hilarious. Uh huh. Also, by the way, I just want to say, I know that, that we talked a little bit about this a while ago and it happened. I actually rather enjoyed the tag team Iron Man match. I thought it was interesting. I had great balls. Yeah. I had yeah. never seen that before. And it really has stuck with me as that was a cool idea. A tag team Iron Man match. <laughs> anyway, third match for me. Uh, I almost, I almost read this as my own. Brandon had also texted me. I don't even know what this means. Epidural match. Polio crutches and epidurals. Okay. And I, I vaguely remember him expounding upon this as in kayfabe, both of the wrestlers would be giving a given an epidural before the match, like a spinal tap before the match, and then have those like polio arm crutches <laughs> to then walk around and fight on. And I was like, wait, but like, but like, why? Your wife like, has something she wants to say. Oh, about Kayla it. has woken up and wants to say something. This is Brandon's idea, not Ivy Merritt's. Okay, well, this has nothing to do with the match idea, with the match ideas. However, me and Lauren came up with a good punishment for you to whoever learns for whoever loses when you guys do uh, predictions. Okay. Okay. You know those charcoal black face masks? <laughs> oh, she she's talking about the face masks that you like apply water and then to your face and you have to peel them off. Yes, for skincare products. Yeah. She's not saying black face. No, 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 no. Charcoal skin masks. Yeah, that's yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you were like lose- charcoal black face masks, Wait, which I mean, did I? That no. can oh. be misinterpreted. I also literally a just woke up. Sure. So I'm. She didn't mean. She didn't mean what it sounded like. She said like <laughs> she meant. She meant those the, the face masks skincare products. Like skincare. Black. Yes, that hurt like a bitch when you peel them off. Is that you guys will have to put that on? Sure, I'm okay so, with it. Corey will have to fix. At my- the end of the day, it it. Oh, I, I'm not correcting shit. It goes on air how it went on air, baby. We're live to tape. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's what like sound guys. Water. That's what sound guys do, right? They just fix it in post, right? That's how it works. Yeah, I'm not fixing that one, but I like it. Thank you, Kayla, for your for your suggestion for a great balls of fire punishment or SummerSlam punishment, right? Like, and and ultimately, at the end of the day, the person who has to do it has a nicer skin complexion. Right? That's true. It's just painful, so. and we could do it on Facebook Live, like we did the fucking sure. death chip. That was fucking terrible. Did I read my third one yet? Um, no. Okay. I don't believe so. Oh, yeah, because I got distracted by epidural match crutches. Yeah. I don't understand what he was exactly going for with that. Uh, my next one is the move set Wheel of Fortune match. Okay. So unlike the spin the wheel, make a deal match, wherein the spin the wheel, make the deal wasn't the match. It was just what decided the step. This is the step. So what happens is, is that the two wrestlers will meet outside of the ring, like maybe up on the entrance ramp, and there's a big wheel with a list of wrestlers, current, former, legends, alumni, what have you. And they'll spin the wheel, and there's, there's, there's four spaces that are not wrestlers. Two say spinner's choice, and two say opponent's choice. And if it lands on opponent's choice, you cannot re-spin. If it lands on anything else, you can respin if you would like. You get one respin. And whoever it lands on, you have to fight the match, including all taunts, promos, everything, as that person's gimmick. So if it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, a lot of being on the ground with the middle fingers, the stunner, but you cannot do a move that was not in that person's repertoire. So if you get somebody who was a big person who never jumped off the top rope, sorry, Kofi Kingston, you know, you're fighting like on Andre the Giant. Or if you got Hogan, you're doing lots of, you know, leg drops and clotheslines, brother. But like, imagine how goofy it would be if you got someone like Brock Lesnar and they drew Rey Mysterio. And he has to go around suplexing. <laughs> well, he can't see. No, no, I'm saying Brock Lesnar got Rey Mysterio's oh, moveset. Sure. It's so like Brock Lesnar has to do like the 619. Rana's and shit. And he can't suplex anybody or he loses the match. I just thought it could be a fun way to like force wrestlers to have to do. Uh, and I think ultimately it comes down to, I watched a PWG match where somebody fought as the rock versus someone fighting as stone cold, Steve Austin and thought it was kind of funny. Uh huh. But I think that like having that, like, especially with such a weird real, like if somebody were to get like Aiden English, what the fuck is Aiden English's moveset? Yeah, right. I, I can't do a signature or a finisher because I don't know what they are. I legit cannot remember. So that was my my third idea. Fun. Yeah. All right. So here's my fourth one. Fourth one. I think your last two are going to be way better than my last two. I'm not confident in mine. Oh, man. This one, I I love this one. Okay. But not the most. You love number one the most? Yeah, my the one that involves two rings. Spoilers. Uh, so this one involves them painting the canvas in the ring. Okay. Two different colors. Wait, like a checkerboard? No, like one is one color, one one half is the other color. Okay, half and half. Gotcha. Yes. Uh. And it's a regular one-on-one match, and you can, like normal, win by pinfall or submission. 
However, in one half, you can only pinfall, and in the other half, you can only submit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so a, a pinfalls or submission match. And so if you try to pin somebody in the submission zone, it doesn't count. And if you put somebody in an ankle lock in the pinfall zone, then it, it'll probably act like a rope break, and you have to break it after five seconds. That's fucking hilarious, especially because I can already see like a screwy finish where someone does like a northern light suplex bridge pin, and it's like, oh wait, like yeah, the person doing the pinning they're in the pin zone, but their upper body in the pin is in the submission zone. It's waved up. It's no good. That's fucking so atrocious. Or somebody doing like one of the submission pin, like a submission, but then they roll them onto their back, still in the submission. And it's like, you have to break the submission. You have shoulders on the back. That's so funny. I could see them doing something like that, too. It's so atrocious. (laughs) Um, My my next one was uh, a, a... I don't know why I fucking I wrote it like this. It was called a New York fire hydrant match. Okay. And so the stipulation is like the ring. Okay. They've done steps like this in the past where like they had like a good housekeeping match where all the weapons are like brooms and mops and shit. Sure. They have like the Santa, the Christmas, the miracle on 34th street fight where it's all like presents and shit. This one is like, there's like a mock ice cream truck okay <laughs> by the ring okay and the ice cream vendor gives out weapons periodically <laughs> um that's not how you win but he just does that right sure there's a bunch of people on fake stoops who act like lumberjacks in a lumberjack match and will like push you if you get too close to the stoop i don't know if it's funny for us because we live in new york or if it's still funny to people in ohio and shit but you're pushing them off they're pushing them off the stoop and shit and yelling at them in like fucking other languages that aren't english and uh anyway so so there's all that going on and then on top of that the ultimately like i i had this i felt like a fever dream when i was coming up with this idea and i wish i had written it all down because there's more shit that just happens but it's just so complicated those are the best two but to win the match you have to to win the match you have to find a fireman at ringside which he he he's like it's like where's waldo where someone at ringside is a fireman and when you find the fireman he he gives you the wrench to open the fire hydrant and you have to blast your opponent with the fire hydrant not a hose uh-huh you open the hydrant yeah. and they have to be in the way sure. and get blasted with it and then when you win a bunch of kids just come out and play in the <laughs> fire hydrant water <laughs> and you're the winner and then you go home like that's it that was my my number like my number one idea is not i don't i wish i would have read that one last now but Actually, you know what? Because your idea is probably way better. I'm going to read my number one, and then we'll hear yours last, because yours is the main event. Unless yours is just really stupid. It is. It's really stupid. Like, laugh out loud stupid? Because mine is, like, conceivably something that they might do. Mine was just just a deal or no deal style match. Okay. Where it's, it's like a mixture of deal or no deal and, like, an auction where each wrestler each wrestler is getting given a certain amount of money 
of like pretend like WWE bucks. And then all the briefcases have values on them. And when you, <laughs> when you win a briefcase, they, most of them have good things in them, like a weapon that you are allowed to use in the match or like a move you're allowed to use. But some of the briefcases have bad things in them. Like one says you can't do your finisher. And like another one, another one <laughs> says like another fucking briefcase says like, if you toss your opponent over the top rope, you lose. But then like another one's like, oh, you get brass knuckles and you get to use them legally. And like another one's like, you can legally give chair shots. Okay. But so like, and so some of the briefcases are good. Some are bad. And ultimately it, it is the perfect overworked match because it would end up where every time you had this, it would have different fucking rules for each fucking wrestler. Uh-huh. And you would almost have to have a graphic on the screen of just like <laughs> with a list in this match. Dean Ambrose can, can, can use the Mrs. Finishers, uh, is allowed to hit him with, you know, thumb chairs, ta- chairs, thumbtacks, something. Dean Ambrose is not allowed to run. <laughs> Dean Ambrose is not is is like not allowed to like i don't know uh, like kick something stupid like that sure. and then on the other hand it's like and the miz is allowed to have outside interference and is is not allowed to headbutt or something stupid sure i don't know that was the idea like i said that's why i wanted to go next i felt like it was anticlimactic uh-huh. but i felt like it was something that could be entertaining all right but just overworked absolutely and what? this is this is a similar thing for mine. What's your number one? The last one, a double elimination, <laughs> a double elimination match. Two <laughs> rings are set up. So, wait, side by side, side by side. Okay. Uh, a group of wrestlers gets into the first ring and they start having a standard elimination match. And once one person gets eliminated, they go to the second ring. And then once a second person gets eliminated, the second ring match starts. And now... That's an elimination match? And then, yeah. So once you get eliminated from the first ring, you have to go to the second ring, which starts a second elimination match. Once you get eliminated out of the second ring, then you're gone. The match goes on until there's only one person left who hasn't been eliminated and one person who has. They then get into the first ring, and if the first wrestler gets uh pinned or submitted then they keep going because that's only his first submission it's like two out of three and then and then it ends once the first person who hasn't been eliminated twice wins holy shit that is so intense bro (laughs) and i actually again it's overworked as fuck i kind of like it i'm kind of not mad at that idea it's almost like when they did the reverse battle royale for for uh impact uh-huh. when it was TNA. Yeah. Where like on paper I look at this and go, This is overworked. But then I'm like, but it could be so entertaining. And it's like I feel like if we if they redid the reverse battle royale in a four sided like WWE ring instead of a six sided mm-hmm. ring, it could have a lot of potential. You know, oh well, you know, they have to get in seven dudes get into the ring and then the rest are eliminated. And then whoever's last from that now seven person battle Royale wins. It's a little overworked, but it could be fun. It just, it was executed poorly. I hear your idea and I go, wow, first off, 
they would have to have two rings side by side, which would be like a really weird, unique setup for a WWE show. But like as its own standalone filmed thing, it could work. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun idea. I really want an indie promotion to do this now. Like some like go to like an Evolve show or some shit, and they're just like, tonight we're having a double elimination match. <laughs> Every opponent will enter the ring in the first ring. If you are eliminated, you enter the second ring. Once there is only one opponent left in the original elimination ring and one opponent in the second elimination ring, the two will, re- will rejoin in the first ring for a, for, a, for, a, for a singles match. If the person who has already been eliminated wins, we will restart the match for the final time. If the person who has not been eliminated wins, we will declare a victor. It's like Wait, what? What are we talking about? What is going on? Yeah, it's something that's like hard to you. explain, but like in theory, in like in practice, you're like, oh, okay, like it makes sense. You know, I, I but follow like, you. To to explain it is a lot of words. Words, yeah. I I feel you. It's just if you haven't been eliminated, though, you can win the match outright. But if you have that been eliminated, you have to win twice. You basically have to win twice because you have to pin the guy. To put you on even ground and then pin him again to, you know, have two out of three on him. Uh-huh. I follow you. I think that sounds like fun as shit. And then last minute, Brandon Merritt's one last idea. Uh, Is it another incomprehensible one? No, I mean, it's comprehensible. I just, I just, I mean, I, I wrote this down from him when he sent it and he just said, put like a match where they have to wear motorcycle helmets and have chairs like like you know wrestling chairs glued or or taped to their hands and that it's just an unprotected headshots match except protected, protected by the helmet so they can take the shots to the heads in a way that they won't get concussions and ruin their lives but there there are shots in there that's a I, thing i guess dude i mean hey i know i actually mentioned this to him cuz he he had sec- uh, said this last night and i wrote it down uh I was like, man, you know, I just know that he likes that's his that's his thing is the the, you know, stiff chair shot to the head. And it's like, it, I get it. It was very it was a very cool thing to watch. But mm-hmm. you can't you can't do that now that we know that these dudes brains are becoming scrambled eggs inside of their fucking skulls. So I guess, you know, having the motorcycle helmets reduces the odds that they they get serious brain damage and develop like CTE, you know? Yeah. Uh, is that all you got? You got anything else? That's all I got. Anything off the top of the dome? Um, uh, yeah. You, you you got it. Well, this was this was a good me- this is a good uh good little talk here. Lots of of fun gimmicks. I really wish or stipulations. I really wish that we had more of an explanation on what Lauren's underwater match was. We can we can come back later. A follow up. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And a thank you especially to everyone who sent us in their least favorite real life stipulations and their own crazy ideas. We appreciated all of them. We enjoy having interactions with you, the small package universe. I'm going to keep saying that even though it's, it's weird, but I, I, I don't know the all, all, all maybe 10, 20 of you who listen to the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another regularly scheduled program of Small Package Show. 
Uh, you can follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Fackett. You can follow me at CB Pointexter on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can follow the both of us on Twitter at Small Package POD. That's POD for podcast at Small Package POD. We're also at Small Package POD on Facebook, the Small Package uh, Facebook page. We post a lot of stuff when we go to live wrestling events and also sometimes punishments from the predictions. Uh, did we mention that you won Battleground predictions? No. Oh, yeah. Sami Zayn was your saving grace from getting swept. Almost a sweep. Not that it really mattered because the show was atrocious. A bittersweet victory for you, Bob. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week here on the Small Packet Show. Until then, I don't know. Keep watching wrestling. Hit him with it, Bob. It's Small Package. <laughs>